Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mbudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into, um, you know, the consumer pressures that are, you know, currently facing uh, South Africans um, at the moment. Uh, we keep hearing about uh, the risk of inflation. I think almost every economist we speak to has been talking to us about uh, you know, the risk of inflation, even um, at the start of the year before um, Russia invaded Ukraine, there was this uh, global sentiment um, around um, inflation fears um, already, and all that seems to have been exacerbated uh, by the recent events um, going on, the geopolitical tensions, the crisis, the war, whatever words you want to use uh, by what's going on um, with the violence in uh, in Ukraine at the moment, and uh, especially um, when it comes to things like fuel prices. I think last week we had a whole conversation where people were speculating about uh, the price of fuel, you know, reaching even 40 rand, uh, which would be ridiculous, but uh, not completely um, out of the realm of possibility, um, you know, at this end. Today, I'm quite excited because we are joined by Emile Duplessis, who is a behavioral economist at uh, Standard Bank. And, um, you know, very interested in this because a lot of of the time when we talk about economics as much as economics is uh, you know a bcom type of subject um you know when it comes to commerce when it comes to all of these things um you know when you study it uh, a lot of people consider it to be a social science because you have people at the heart of it so i'm very um, keen to be having this type of discussion emil greetings to you today good morning Madiwa. It's great to be here. No, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I think a, a good place for us to start is just around the discipline itself. When we talk about um, behavioral yeah, economics, as I said at the beginning, that's my understanding, you know, uh, because in economics, we talk about economic actors. We talk about, uh, you know, working in the self-interest. We talk about, uh, you know, people being, uh, you know, rational, irrational beings, all of this stuff, um, you you know, but from your purview, when we talk about uh, behavioral economics, uh, maybe you could just expand uh, expand on that and just give um, ourselves and the listeners a little bit of a, an insight um, into what we're actually talking about and the type of things um, that you are spending your time looking at when it comes to, you know, your own work and research. Sure, Budiwa, thanks for the question. So behavioral economics is a subset of what we refer to as microeconomics. And it really looks at how people make uh, their decisions. And as you alluded to, sometimes in counterintuitive ways. So, you know, we try and understand, you know, are consumers making rational decisions? Are they making irrational decisions? But specifically as it pertains to their financial behavior. So behavioral economics is really a science that studies, you know, the different choices that consumer ha consumers have and then the decisions that they make. It looks at, you know, cognitive and contextual factors and how those uh, specific factors also influence financial behavior. Behavioral economics itself, has been studied in academia for uh, quite a few decades already. I mean, we've had um, a Nobel Prize winner not too long ago um, and one before that um, as well about a decade ago. So there's been really phenomenal work that's been done 
in the space of um, academia, and it's quite recent over the last, uh, you know, 10, 12 years, that, you know, we've seen the benefits more and more being uh, adopted in the um, services space, uh, in the private sector, in um, a range of different environments where, you know, having this understanding of how consumers think how consumers make behavior also allows organizations to better, um, you know, not only understand their, their needs, but also be able to engage with them better, be able to develop your products and services also better. Um, in other words, it really comes down to, um, you know, making sure you've got behaviorally informed uh, products and, and services. All right. Yeah, no, it really does sound like, uh, you know, quite an interesting one, particularly, um, you know, when it comes to how do people actually make uh, the decisions that they do, uh, you know, on a microeconomic level. So maybe at this point, we can actually take time to paint the picture of uh, right now, you know, we, we keep talking about uh, fuel prices, we keep talking about uh, um, I think in the last couple of weeks, some people have been talking about uh, things like load shedding. We keep talking about inflation risks and fears um, around the world and even in South Africa. Uh, but from what you can see, are these things really um, what is, uh, what you call this, what is affecting um, consumer pockets? Maybe you could paint, paint us that picture just around all the factors uh, that are actually putting pressure on consumers at the moment. Uh, great stuff. So I think if we look at, for example, the uh, consumer price index, which is you know based on a basket of goods that's being tracked on a monthly basis, and we look at the latest release that came through from Stats SA, we see that inflation was around five point seven percent, and we can then further break down that sort of annual consumer price inflation to look at what are the main contributors of annual inflation. And if we look at the latest release from Stats SA, we find that food and non-alcoholic beverages, uh, as well as housing and utilities, transport, and uh, miscellaneous goods and services were sort of quite a hit when it comes to their contribution to overall inflation. So, it does seem that you know food and non-alcoholic beverages are costing more um, for for the end consumer, and that increased by about five point seven percent year on year. So it is about the same rate as overall inflation. The other big uh, event, which I think you also alluded to, comes down to what we're seeing at the moment with the oil price and. Just looking at the contribution of transport, um, it also had quite a large impact. Transport increased by about 14.5% year on year. And we have to bear in mind, this was in January. The the oil price has subsequently uh, peaked even around $130 a barrel. It's come down to about $120 a barrel. So we've seen at the moment that there's been quite an increase in the oil prices, and that still needs to be factored in in terms of the petrol prices that consumers eventually will be paying. So the the narrative for the first quarter so far this year certainly has been the massive impact that all prices have had um, on, on consumers. And it is quite ubiquitous in the sense of all prices 
is not only used, um, you know, in in the sense of consumers filling up for their normal, um, you know, petrol or making use of public transport, but most goods, particularly your consumer goods, are also transported by means of uh, fuel, and so that has quite quite a knock on effect on all other. Um, goods and services that consumers also uh, procure and make use of, because it might mean that all of those will also increase in price if it costs more to transport them. So the the main contributors at the moment certainly are your your oil prices and um, how that then relates to sort of you know general throughput on other products but we also see this in the food prices and both of these two trends have been coming along for some time probably for the last uh, you know three to six months and it's really now with the current situation in Ukraine that we've seen sort of an additional impact in terms of the transport cost, um, in terms of the food costs. Because, you know, if you look at, for example, Russia, so Russia is, is one of the uh, main producers um, and exporters of oil in the world. And so by their cost increasing, because of all the sanctions at the moment being levied against them, um, that also means that the price of oil will increase. And then, if we look at, for example, food, so you know, Russia as well as Ukraine are two of the biggest exporters of wheat as well. Um, Russia is a very large exporter of fertilizer, um, and so even in that instance, that will have a massive impact on uh, you know food production. And I guess you know. Uh, eventually these things also then uh, comes to essay because you know indirectly less food will be produced um, and then therefore the prices of food will also go up this is of course only pertaining to specific types of food um, but in general we tend to find that uh, food and al- alcoholic beverages have been increasing so i think these are two of the the main trends that we're seeing at the moment but one must i think also bear in mind that with the pandemic We've that's sort of coming to to hopefully um, a, a subtle uh, end at the moment. We've also seen that consumers have been um, affected quite broadly. Unemployment is um, you know at sort of a very very high level at the moment, which means that you know some of the sectors haven't yet been able to recover properly. So that means that consumers in general and certain households are still impacted by you know, lower cash flow. And that's also, I think, quite a strain at the moment on consumers' finances. So in general, I think there are quite a number of um, pandemic-related uh, factors that's still impacting on consumers. And now together with this um, unrest and, and tension that we're finding in um, in Eastern Europe, um, it's also expected to further increase uh, food prices and transport. The, the one um, sort of cushion that we've seen at the moment is certainly in terms of the exchange rate. So the exchange rate at the moment is um, really... Um, holding ground for now. And that helps us also um, in terms of as a buffer so that the impact of a higher food prices and higher oil prices, um, you know, aren't as severe as it, as it would have been in the absence thereof. So fortunately, you know, we don't just have uh, headwinds all around, 
but I think in general, uh, consumers are um, are struggling at the moment from from an inflationary perspective. Um, the other element is if we look at, for example, the consumer price um, inflation forecast for the rest of the year. So there is a possibility that we'll even cross above seven percent. Um, by quarter two because of a higher oil prices and food prices. Um, and then slowly but surely, those uh, costs will also start to, to come down eventually. But I mean, at 7% um, inflation, you know, it, it has uh, quite a severe impact on, on consumers' ability, not only to, um, you know, to pay for their normal inflation basket and the normal goods they would consume, um, but it also makes it a lot more difficult uh, to, for example, spend more money on savings um, or investments or just being able to build a buffer um, in case they need it from an emergency perspective. All right. So with everything that you've just said, there's a whole, I, I usually say a whole universe of factors because um, really anyone who's been listening uh, for the last few minutes can see that this is not a one dimensional um, type of problem that there is literally a number of factors where they're talking about, um, you know, just base inflation, where they're talking about food, where they're talking about transport, um, you know, whether you're talking about the fact that um, there's still headwinds being felt um, due to the pandemic and now you have to factor in the geopolitical issues there's just a lot uh, that people need to you know need to deal with but I was reading something that uh, you know you wrote recently and uh, part of it um, had to do with this issue and you were just talking about um, some of the ways that uh, you know consumers can you know come to the party and actually help themselves to soften the impact of inflation you know when it comes to their own costs, controlling costs, budgets, um, that type of thing. I want to spend a little bit of time on this because I think, um, you know, South Africa, for example, is, uh, you know, quite famous for being an over-indebted type of society. And uh, that sort of speaks to a, a society where the cost of living is high, and uh, people feel like they need to borrow to, you know, to keep up with certain expenses. In the same breath, it also speaks to living out of one's means, you know, and all of the implications that come, you know, henceforth. So as far as you can see, right, there's a way in which people are meant to deal with things. And then there's the way that people actually deal with things, right? So with everything that you say that... Uh, you know, where we are at the moment, um, what are you actually seeing on the ground? Are consumers acting, I guess, in economics, we talk about, you know, uh, rational actors versus irrational actors. What are you seeing? So at the moment, if we look at the um, overall, um, you know, economy and we look at consumers' behavior sort of more generally, we tend to find that, you know, there are, as you mentioned, a couple of uh, sort of factors at work. One of them, I think, that we've seen recently, which has been probably a positive one, has been the low interest rate. And so I think some consumers have been able to capitalize on the low interest rate by, um, you know, some of them being able to reduce their, their debt obligations and sort of repaying their loans. And that certainly is uh, a very good trend. Others, for example, have been making use of a low interest rate to, um, for example, procure 
um, home loans. And that's also usually a good um, decision in terms of the way you choose between uh, the different types of debt. So if one looks at, for example, um, just housing sales generally over the recent couple of quarters, you know, it's really been increasing quite a bit. Um, you know, on the one hand, it might be driven by, you know, the new ways of work and sort of individuals being able to, uh, for example, spend more time at home than, for example, at the office. But it certainly has been done in an environment with low interest rates. So the low interest rate environment, I think, has been good for a number of reasons. And, and obviously, to some extent, the, the flip side of it is we also tend to find that in a low interest rate environment, consumers also um, take, you know, take the, the, the um, more loans, for example, up because um, it, you know, it costs a lot uh, less. And also because of unemployment, uh, consumers sometimes had to rely on uh, taking up, for example, more uh, lending products purely because they had to maybe support family members or because of high inflation. So it is sort of a, a, a mixed bag at the moment in terms of what we're seeing from, from a consumer uh, expenditure perspective. But the low interest rate environment is probably not going to remain uh, low for, for that long. I mean, the Reserve Bank has already indicated that uh, they expect the uh, repo rate to be increasing um, during the course of this year, I mean, already um, during quarter one, we've had uh, 25 basis points increase in, in interest rates. So it sounds like, you know, we are at the start of sort of an interest rate increasing cycle, which would mean that, you know, it becomes a bit more um, expensive when we have to start paying back uh, some of our debt. Um, I think the, the, the um, other component is, that um, you know, I think apart from the from the interest rate environment and the and the unemployment factors um, that we're looking at at the moment, I mean, I think consumers um, have also uh, been struggling in terms of um, you know their their own financial position um, purely because you know their family members or people that they take care of or they themselves have been um, affected quite a bit by the the pandemic. Um, and so because of the pandemic, we've seen quite a change in the way how consumers uh, spend their money. There has been, for example, um, you know, an increase in certain expenditure items and a decrease in, in other expenditure items. Um, so, for example, the fact that a lot more people work remotely, um, we have seen, for example, people spending less on uh, transportation, but then you know, we've also tend to find consumers are spending more on, for example, you know, household items and stationery, um, et cetera, things that they typically would be using more at home. So, so the pandemic has really changed um, how consumers spend and also what they spend their money on. Some of those trends, if you unpack them, um, you tend to find that, you know, they have been coming along for some time. Um, and, um, you know, I think the pandemic really has just probably expedited uh, some of these trends and some of the um, components that consumers uh, spend their money on. But uh, certainly, I think if you look at, um, you know, the last couple of quarters, um, you definitely expect that 
with the with the new normal uh, there will be a difference in how consumers are expected to to spend their money and what they are expected to spend their money on um even with the pandemic coming to an end we'll probably not necessarily have um individuals uh, you know spending the money on the same category as before the pandemic probably some sort of um hybrid version in terms of how everyone's lives are somehow different um now after the pandemic so it's it's very interesting to sort of look and analyze at what consumers are um spending the money on and how that's been changing not only in the low interest rate environment or um you know because of the constraints of unemployment but purely just because of how you know the pandemic has changed so much around um you know what consumers um have been able to spend the money and i mean i think if you take for example um something like entertainment and events so uh, because of obviously the limitations on being able to spend on you know on live events for example consumers obviously have been finding different avenues to instead um spending their money on so we've seen a massive increase in particularly digital products and digital experiences um which seems to uh, be um not only you know i think safer and sometimes lower cost um but we tend to get the impression that even you know after the pandemic end a lot of these products and services will still uh, continue to be used by consumers um and the other thing that actually creeps uh, into one's mind with what you're talking about uh, you mentioned specifically um all of the pressures that consumers have especially when it comes to um you know higher unemployment but at the same time people having to um keep putting food on the table maybe support um you know families extended families that type of thing um at the moment when it comes to decision making um i think this is you know one of the places where we could uh, possibly spend a little bit of time before we end off is um when it comes to driving decisions for consumers at the moment because you did speak about the change um that covid-19 has had on spending items consumer behavior um all of that stuff what's what do you think is motive at the moment what do you think is motivating um what do you call this what do you think is motivating um consumer decisions um when it comes to them uh, controlling their costs budgeting etc is it an issue of um you know survival and just trying to make sure that they support who they need to support what they need to support or um in certain cases there's always been this narrative um that lifestyle creep and lifestyle issues are a big uh, what do you call this are a big issue when it comes to South Africans and their spending so lifestyle versus survival um you know where do where where are we at the moment i think if you look at for example the whole consumer base and you sort of uh, break them up into different groups particularly income groups we tend to find that these key themes are very relevant in some of these segments so for example if you look at your you know your your lower income segment it's very much survival based and um that means it is quite difficult for for individuals in this space to um to be able to manage their finance finances when inflation increases at at a rapid rate and that's usually why inflation is seen as having the largest impact on um on consumers in the low income segments 
is because, you know, usually they don't have a buffer. They don't have lots of savings um, that they can fall back on in case of higher cost. And so we tend to find that the the low income uh, segment is the one that certainly um, is struggling the most. And in case of higher inflation rate is also expected to um, to probably um, have the, the most difficult time managing their, their finances. When we then move up to, to the different segments, we also tend to find that uh, not only do consumers spend their money slightly differently depending on which segment they are on, but we also tend to find that um, individuals sort of further up are able to sort of spend more in terms of their actual lifestyle. So, you know, individuals in the high income groups, you know, their inflation basket also is quite a bit different than those in the um, lower income segments. I mean, the low income segments, for example, you know, if you look at, you know, what they typically spend on, it's quite heavily skewed towards uh, food uh, transport, um, for example, whereas with the lower income segment and when it comes to more more to lifestyles, although they still have a, a large chunk that goes towards food, for example, they are able to spend more on other services, for example, on education, on medical cost, um, on, you know, specifically buying new cars. Um, and so we tend to find that the lifestyle element is usually more relevant for for the, the high income segments purely because they do have more of a savings buffer. They do have a better cash flow position. And that usually allows them to focus more on making sort of, you know, key lifestyle decisions. So, you know, I think it's quite important also to to understand these these nuances in terms of the different segments um, and how each of these segments have a different uh, and a unique inflation basket. And I think that's also important from an individual consumer perspective in the sense of, you know, actually every uh, individual have got their own unique inflation basket. And I think it's important to understand you know, what are those uh, items in your own basket? Because it might be different than, you know, items in another segment. It might be even different sometimes from individuals in a similar segment. And it might also be different from the, the national basket. And I think, you know, it's really important to understand what are those um, items in your basket and, you know, which of those items could you uh, for example, um, you know, maybe reduce usage of um, or maybe try and find alternatives for. And we tend to find that, you know, when the going gets tough, consumers typically start to do that. They start to shop around. Um, they start to look for, um, you know, for um, offers and products that comes at a lower cost so that they are in a position to be able to to manage their, their finances. But, you know, there are also sometimes a lot of constraints in terms of finding alternatives um, because that in, in itself, you know, isn't always readily available or as easily available. Um, and so that also requires um, some effort in terms of, um, you know, understanding what those are, understanding the cost um, and and how those alternatives can also uh, sort of fulfill the same need as as currently. 
One of the things I appreciate the most um, about the way that you've just answered that last question is the fact that you do break it down to say that um, when you're looking at an issue like inflation, because most of the time we talk about inflation, um, like um, what's the word I'm looking for, like a blanket issue. Um, but at the same time, we have the different inflation baskets, the way you put it to say that there's different cost drivers in each one of our lives. And as much as you might hear about headline inflation, each person might must actually look at, you know, what's driving, you know, costs in their own basket. And I think, you know, that nuance is something that's usually, you know, missing from uh, a lot of conversations um, when it comes to issues of inflation so you know really been great to chat to you emil maybe in the last minute or so um we've spoken a lot about food we've spoken a lot about interest rates inflation uh transport all of that stuff any other items you know that you are just keeping an eye on you know to saying hmm, these ones you know consumers must uh possibly keep an eye on Yes. I mean, I think the, the, the two main items certainly to look for would be, you know, your food prices. And I think within food, there's also a lot of different categories, for example, meat and uh, dairy product, vegetables, for example. So one can really break it down into sort of different elements, but then also with the, with the oil price, I mean, I think those are very relevant. Some of the other elements, I think certainly... Um, to also keep an eye out specifically is around um, you know goods that uh, consumers use on a on a fairly regular basis, but it also needs to be imported. So you know any major um, goods that consumers use, and this even includes, for example, um, clothing. It could include, for example, um, you know uh, medication. Any of these uh, goods that needs to be imported over a you know a sort of far distance i think all of these are i think elements that consumers also need to keep an eye on because over time what we will find is that you know goods consumer goods that needs to be transported uh, particularly this year that will also become more expensive so if you're able to find something that's locally made that might be also one way in which you're able to potentially uh, save a bit more because the locally made ones uh, wouldn't necessarily have to go through the whole um uh, sort of uh, import process um but and and so so the locally made ones you know that might be one way of thinking around saving maybe on your cost but uh we definitely tend to think that uh, the normal goods that consumers are um procuring on a regular basis uh, in general and um, we've seen quite high inflation coming through um and that's probably the the expectation for for the rest of the year so it's good to kind of take a 12 month view and decide you know which of these goods and services do do we really need and which of these um are maybe less important um at the moment given the the higher cost um, and then make decisions based on, um, you know, sort of the the price of this good, the availability of this goods. Because you know, one of the main things that we find is that even with the pandemic sort of, you know, you know, working its way out, there's still quite a number of logistical bottlenecks um, across the world, particularly in China, who, who you know, the country makes um, a, a very large share of all the 
um, sort of goods being produced internationally, um, manufactured goods. Um, and so that means that, you know, every time there's a stoppage, uh, every time a factory needs to close, every time there's a new wave, um, this then creates a shortage in terms of the um, supply and the availability of a lot of these goods. Um, and so, you know, we've seen that um, there's, there's been a massive increase in the prices of goods from steel to, um, you know, consumer goods, for example, shoes, uh, purely because of, you know, factories having to close regularly. Um, and now we've got this additional element in terms of the higher cost of, of oil that makes transport more expensive. So, you know, I think at this stage, until, you know, these logistical bottlenecks sort of have, have been um, stabilized um, and the oil price have been stabilized, I do think, you know, consumers are probably in for a bumpy ride uh, for at least, you know, the, the next quarter or so. So that's been it, Emil Duplessis, behavioral economist over at Standard Bank, giving us insight into um, all of the pressures that uh, consumers are currently feeling um, at the moment. But, uh, you know, more relevant to this conversation was uh, him helping us to think through the way that consumers are thinking through, um, you know, their decisions because behavioral um, economics, that is, uh, you know, that's at the heart of it. You know, how do um, how do people um, in the economy or economic actors actually make um, their decisions? And he was just giving us insight into um, all of the different factors uh, that are facing consumers at the moment, but also at the same time, um, how some people, you know, uh, make decisions rationally, how some make decisions in ways that could be seen as being um, counterintuitive, uh, making a distinction between those that are acting for survival uh, versus Versus those that are acting, you know, uh, out of uh, lifestyle reasons, um, you know, reasons to get into more debt, reasons to reduce debt, uh, managing expenses, controlling budgets, um, all of these different factors, you know, what people should be doing versus what people are actually doing and uh, the reasons uh, for the delta that sits in between. So really being great, uh, you know, discussion, you know, for that. Um, obviously, we focused on inflation. We focused on oil prices and uh, transport costs and then we also um, you know focused a lot on interest rates uh, but he's also just talking about the fact that um, you know at the end there um, perhaps getting locally uh, sourced goods you know might be a good thing in the coming months um, especially if transport costs end up being as high as people are, ex are expecting if it has to travel shorter distance um, then it might just help you to save a little bit of money Emil Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Madiwa. Great to be here. This is Madiwa's take. Inflation does not affect everyone equally. I think um, at the heart of today's conversations, I think that should be the big takeaway um, because 
we usually talk about uh, things like inflation and blanket terms we hear about inflation targeting you know between three and six percent by the reserve bank we hear uh, about the fact that at the moment um, inflation is uh, expected um, the headline inflation is projected to be at 4.8 percent in uh, 2022 and 4.4 percent in 2023 but what does that actually mean um, at an individual level because these are aggregates these are average um, headline inflation figures that we're being given what does it mean for each individual person what does it mean for each individual household now um, what does it mean for each individual business um, that's out there um, how should a person be structuring um, their costs what is what are the um, inflation drivers what are the big cost items uh, that people have in their lives very important especially against the backdrop um, of the conversation that we were having but I think from what uh, Emil is talking about is to say that things like oil prices for example it's just one of those things because it is a base item um, when it comes to fuel transport and all of that stuff that it's something that's likely going to affect all of us albeit at different levels because we don't all drive the same distances we don't all take transport to the same places we don't all uh, transport goods and services to the same places so it's going to affect us in different ways but at least helping people to think uh, around how they're going to be coping um, with all of these uh, different pressures going forward it will be interesting to see um, how the issue of survival versus you know lifestyle um i like the way that that was broken down but um how is any of that going to change those dynamics uh firstly because of um the pandemic because uh, the pandemic did shift a lot of people that would have been thinking about life uh, thinking about um, their economics from a lifestyle point of view switching over to a survival type of mode right what is that going to do uh, because we spoke about the income brackets and all of that and if one is to look at it um, on a spectrum what does that look like the survival versus lifestyle debate um, because it really does seem as if with more consumer pressures the big takeaway, at least in my head, is that you see more and more people falling onto the survival side of the spectrum, right? Where are we going to be at the end of the year? Uh, because you at least want people to be more on the side of uh, lifestyle because you at least have a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more savings, a little bit more, um, you know, cushions when it comes to budgets and savings, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but uh, we'll wait and see how uh, all of this uh, progresses over time and uh, looking forward to continue you know just uh, thinking about how consumers uh, businesses and other economic uh, actors make their decisions And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.